I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwein, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the One Woman Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things book-related, any new releases or author news, and of course, discuss our monthly book club pick, which for the first half of June is Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez. We're switching things up a little bit this month, and we're reading two books instead of just one, because I know that so many of you were kind of struggling a little bit with the reading schedule and constantly wanting to read ahead, because same. And I feel like the majority of us who listen to this or who the majority of you guys that listen to this, I listen, but only because I have to edit it, are massive and avid readers who can read more than just a quarter of a book in a sitting. So I totally understand that. And I'm really curious and open to seeing how this goes. I actually, when I started this podcast, was definitely thinking and had the idea to do two books a month with um, either one episode every two weeks discussing the whole book or what I'm doing for June, which is doing two books and then discussing half of it every week. So having four episodes. I'm curious to know your thoughts. As always, you're the ones who enjoy the podcast. You're the ones who listen. So if you like the two book schedule, let me know. If you'd rather go back to one, let me know. If you want to do two books, but you'd rather just one episode every two weeks to discuss the full book, that's cool too. I'm open to whatever you guys think because this is still just a learning curve for me, trying to figure out the best way to get all of this done. But regardless, we are reading two books this month. If you weren't um, sure what they were, if you aren't following me on Instagram, Instagram and you've somehow stumbled upon this podcast, hi, welcome. But my Instagram is really where everything goes down. It's at Grace's Reading Nook and we chose our two books for June. 
I put together a list of eight. The first four would be for the first half of the month. The second four would be for the second half of the month. I contemplated even how I was going to do that. I'm making all of these decisions on my own. I don't have a co-host. Going forward, I might even just choose four books and then the second choice ends up being our second book of the month. That was something I also grappled with. But for this month, I decided to have you guys choose from eight. First half, you guys chose Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez, which spoiler alert, I have already finished. And I've already finished the sequel because I'm sick and could not put either of them down. But we'll get into that soon. The second book of this month is going to be The Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand. So let's get into the book reading schedules a little bit. But guys, we have so much to get through today. I'm like kind of scared because spoiler again, I read the fourth wing or fourth wing. Sorry, there's no the by Rebecca Yaros. And I have a lot of thoughts. Then we have so much to talk about with part of your world. We're already halfway through. Um, Majority of you I think have also already finished with me, but we're sticking to what I said this week. And we're just going to talk about half book of the month choices also came out. We have to talk about those. I also want to talk about my June TBR list. And I also want to talk about June new releases that are coming out this month because there are a lot that I'm excited about. So we have a lot to get through. I think the majority of you listen for the book club stuff. So I want to get housekeeping rules and everything out of the way in case you missed the post on my Instagram for what we should be reading up to when we're going to be starting the five star weekend, all of that. So let's just get into that very quickly. So for today's episode in part of your world, you should have read up to going through my notes here, you should have read up to chapter 22. So from the beginning to chapter 22 is what you should have read for today. So about halfway through the book. And then this is up on Monday, June 5th. But then for next week, which is Monday, June 12th, you'll be finishing part of your world if you haven't already. If you have more self-control than me and were able to just finish half for today's episode, congratulations, because there was truly no way I had all the time in the world. I read this on Memorial Day in pretty much one sitting, could not put it down and wasn't going to. I even put a poll up on my Instagram. I was like, is it okay with you guys if I read ahead? Does that sound okay to you? And everyone, for the most part, there were four of you guys who were like, please don't. But I understand. Um, I understand your concern. But I am going to give a spoiler free episode. Believe me, even though I already have even read the sequel. Anyway, reading up to chapter 22 for today and finishing the book for um, June 12th's episode. Now, Ellen Hildebrand's new book, The Five Star Weekend, was our second book choice of the month. That does not come out until June 13th. However, if you are a member of Book of the Month, which I'll be talking about shortly, you can get this book as one of your add-ons this month. I do have a link in my bio on my Instagram. It'll take you to my link tree, and that will bring up a lot of links that you can click on. But one of them says, um, get your first book from Book of the Month for $5. You absolutely can, but you cannot get the five-star weekend for just $5. Um, Don't want to make that, don't want to have any confusion there, basically. How Book of the Month works, if you're not sure, there are five or so main Book of the Month picks every single month in varying genres. You have to pick one of those books every single month in order to get a box shipped. However, once you pick one of those books, all of your add-ons or any new add-ons, any old add-ons, any old book of the months, you can add to your box and you can add up to four add-ons now. That's new. You used to be only able to add up to two. Now five total books can be shipped to your house, which is amazing and extremely dangerous if you're someone like me who loves to hoard books. 
So pick one of those five main choices. You get that for $5. And then every add-on after that is $10.99. So I still think it's an amazing deal. You'll be getting the five-star weekend and um, another amazing book pick. There are so many that we'll talk about soon for just $5. All of that is going to be under $20, which is probably less than, or honestly, definitely less than what you would be spending going to a bookstore or even Amazon and getting that the day that it's released, which is June 13th. And not to mention, you'll be getting it early. So if you're not a Book of the Month subscriber, now is the month to do it. Get your first book for $5. Get the five-star weekend for $10.99. Get it all shipped to you for less than the price of what the five-star weekend would be normally in way time before you even need to start reading it for the podcast. That was a spiel. I am not paid by Book of the Month. I am not sponsored. Would love to be, but that's okay. That's a different story. Anyway, that comes out June 13th. And honestly, if you do want to wait, that's still perfect because the first episode of the month for, or the first episode for the Five Star Weekend will not be up until June 19th. I do not have my hands on a physical copy of the book yet. It's coming in my Book of the Month probably next, early next week. As long, as soon as I do, I'll tell you guys what the reading points will be, like what the halfway mark will be, but you'll be reading about halfway for June 19th, and then we'll be finishing the book for June 26th. Whew, that's that. That's the reading schedule for this month. I know that's a lot, and I know that's a spiel. Have a sip of coffee. Have a sip of water. We're getting through it. Super excited about these books, though. However, I know they're both semi like contemporary fiction, contemporary romance. I was hoping we'd have a little bit of a variant there, but we did not. That's how we all voted. That's okay. However, next month for July, I will probably not be including as many or any romance choices just because I know it's pretty much three in a row. And I love for people to step out of their genre comfort zone and read a book that's outside of their typical genre you know, romance. But I understand it's not for everyone. So I want to make sure that everyone has a chance to read our picks. Let's get started for how I finished up my May. Happy June. Love June. It's really the official start of summer. Not really. It's not official. I think that's June 21st. But for me, summer is June, July, August. So happy summer. Hope you're all enjoying the weather wherever you are here in Maine. We've gotten some good days. Memorial Day weekend was amazing, but um, it's going to be a rainy weekend. It's going to be a rainy weekend. I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon. So yeah, we're just, we're going to hunker down. We're going to read a lot. So here is what I ended up reading for May. I ended up reading seven books, you guys. Give me a little pat on the back. I feel like that's decent for me. I feel like I never read that many books or I haven't. I feel like this whole year, I feel like that's my best month so far. So I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. So here's what I read. Started out with The House in the Pines by Ana Reyes. I have talked that book to death. Don't need to talk about it anymore. Connolly's of County Down by Tracy Lang. The Last Word by Taylor Adams. Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune, which so many of you read along with me for our book club. Amazing. The three books I haven't had a chance to talk about yet um, and can't really. <laughs> I can only talk about one. Um, Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez and Yours Truly by Abby Jimenez. So I will not be talking in full about Part of Your World or Yours Truly. What I will say is if you have finished Part of Your World like me, Yours Truly, and I talked about this when I went on the hub today in um, for the spring reads because I brought Yours Truly. Um, 
it's not a direct sequel. It's one of those books that just features characters from part of your world. I don't want to give anything away. I'm not even going to tell you which characters are featured. You can just look that up yourself if you're curious. It is not a direct sequel. You definitely do not have to have read part of your world to read yours truly. However, I do think it gives a lot of great context and helps you understand the characters a lot more fully especially when they start talking, you know, the only spoiler I will give is that Alexis and Daniel do make appearances in yours truly. So when they do, it's like you kind of just understand their characters a bit more. But it's kind of the same thing with um, It Happened One Summer and Hook, Line and Sinker by Tessa Bailey. It's pretty much exactly the same. It gives me the same like feelings of a sequel in a sense, where it's just characters that were featured in It Happened One Summer that appear in Hook, Line and Sinker and vice versa. I do think that you would probably enjoy the books more if you read them in the chronological order that they came out. So part of your world, then yours truly, and then It Happened One Summer and then Hook, Line and Sinker. But That's beside the point. We'll talk about all of that very soon. But I want to talk about Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros because it is everywhere. And like, when I say it's everywhere, I think I talked about this a bit because I was in the process of reading it or about to start reading it when I was um, speaking to you guys last time. But I have never seen a book take Bookstagram by Storm and even TikTok like this book has. And it's kind of crazy that I'm getting these sorts of videos and posts like sent to me or like on my For You page or even on my my main page on Instagram because I'm not a fantasy reader. I've never read Akatar. I've never read um, any like Throne of Glass, never read like a Sarah J. Moss book, anything like that. I'm not a fantasy reader. This is a book, a fantasy book for beginner fantasy readers. From what I've seen all over every social media that I follow with bookstagrammers and book talkers, it is for beginners. Um, A lot of people who are well versed in the fantasy genre feel like it's kind of immature and like it doesn't do enough world building and they just didn't really connect to it enough. And I totally understand that. And I'm sorry that it didn't work out for a lot of those people. But if you're a new fantasy genre reader like me, I really think you're going to love this one because I really get bogged down in that world building. I really have a hard time when I start to read a fantasy book and it's like all of these crazy names and these crazy like maps and weird spells and stuff like I can't get into it. But with Fourth Wing, it wasn't like that. I was like sucked in immediately and it was just so clearly unlike anything I've ever read before. The chemistry between the two main characters was amazing. If you have read the book, I saw someone make this comparison and I was thinking it the whole time that I was reading the book that Dane is truly exactly like Gail from The Hunger Games, like the same character, which I loved. I love The Hunger Games. I feel like I don't know how this happens, but I feel like I end up bringing up The Hunger Games every single time I record a podcast episode and I don't know how that's possible, but it's happening again. Anyway, I loved it. I gave it five whopping stars and I was so sad when it was over. Thankfully, I started Part of Your World right after, which I feel like if I had read a book that I was not as into, I would have been in a massive reading slump from Fourth Wing because I was into the book. Like I was really, really enjoying it for a very long way through. But when I got to their first spicy scene, which happens about 150 pages before the ending, I could not put it down. I love spice. I love spicy scenes, if that isn't already clear. I know there are a lot of closed door romance girlies out there, and that's amazing. Give me all. Give me it all. I don't want to fade to black. I don't want the door to close. I want to hear and see everything. Okay, I want to read it all. Anyway, 
This had some great spice, but I will say it doesn't come until like nearing the end. Um, but page, I don't know what page that would be. So like 150 pages from the end until the end, I was sucked in, could not put it down in that ending, you guys. Holy shit. It was so good. I, if you have read it, I kind of saw a little bit of it coming. I don't want to be like, I knew it was coming, but I kind of did. Anyway, doesn't matter. I've always said this when a twist is good, a twist is good, regardless if I've thought it or not. And this was good. You guys, if you have not picked this up yet, pick it up and read it. Honestly, just give it a shot. So outside of my comfort zone. This is coming from someone who like really doesn't like the fantasy genre. And I loved this. So I really think a lot of you guys will enjoy this too. Um, The new book comes out in November. So I think it's called like Iron Flame or something. I It cannot come soon enough. Do not want to wish the summer and my favorite fall season away at all. But when it does come out in November, I will be there day one pre-ordering it to pick it up for many reasons. One, because I cannot wait to find out what happens. Two, because the fourth wing, I keep calling it the fourth wing. Fourth wing has sold out everywhere. You cannot get your hands on it at all. Like any bookstore, I haven't checked Amazon or anything, but I've seen TikToks of people like not being able to find it. I guess I'm lucky that I picked it up in the airport that day. I feel very lucky, but give it a shot. Five stars. Amazing. So last night, I can actually talk about a book that I read last night also. Um, It was Adelaide by Genevieve Wheeler. So I'll kind of go into my June hopefuls, my June TBR. Um, Adelaide was the first book on my TBR. I've been pushing it back and pushing it back for unknown reasons. I just feel like I had I had to finish Meet Me at the Lake. I wanted to read Fourth Wing, um, but I knew it was always going to be next. I actually brought it with me to Florida to start reading while I was on my work trip, but didn't end up picking it up. And yesterday I started reading it in the afternoon after work and did not put it down. Went to I stopped to eat dinner for like 20 minutes and then Noah and I went to get an ice cream cone at like 730 all of that combined was like an hour. This probably took me like six hours to read. It was a ride, you guys. Let me start by saying this book is incredibly emotional. Um, Before you read, I would absolutely look up the trigger warnings for this book. I don't want to leave anything out. So I and I just feel like you should look them up on your own before reading because there are a lot. Um, there's talk of suicide, there's talk of abuse, um, mental, emotional, physical, um, depression, just a lot. So just be careful before you start reading if you're sensitive to any of those subjects and plenty more. But this book tore me apart. I thought it was incredible. Genevieve Wheeler, this is her debut novel. Her writing was like impeccable. Like there's no other word to describe it. She got what it feels like to be a girl in your 20s down pat. And even like how it felt, she there were some flashbacks to when Adelaide was in her teen years. There were such there was such description, like little descriptions, like what they were eating, what they were wearing, what it felt like to like come home after school or come home from a night out and like stick your hand to a bag of chips, like little tiny details that already this book felt raw and real and honest that just took it to the next level and made it feel like you were reading about yourself or your friend. It was so, so authentic. It was incredible. This was a book of the month pick that I think I picked in April. Um, Let me read you guys the synopsis really quick, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about my review. 
It says, for 26-year-old Adelaide Williams, an American living in dreamy London, meeting Rory Hughes was like a lightning bolt out of the blue. This charming Englishman was the one she wasn't even looking for. Is it enough? Does he respond to texts, honor his commitments, make advanced plans? Sometimes, rarely, and no, not at all. But when he shines his light on her, the world makes sense, and Adelaide is convinced that in his heart, he's fallen just as deeply as she has. That's all I'm going to say. There's a lot that goes on after that, but I didn't read that far when I was reading the synopsis, um, and I was, like, shocked by some of the twists that happened. I, like I said, read this in one sitting. It was such a raw, realistic portrayal of what life can be like in your 20s. Like, everything was so authentic, and I was completely transported into Adelaide's heartbreaking universe from page one. So basically, she's dating this guy named Rory. Dating is in loose terms. It's never really confirmed whether or not they're like exclusive. Their story is so immensely complicated, like felt for Adelaide at every twist and turn. But then at points, I even felt for Rory, which you'll understand if you read, but mostly, clearly, I felt for Adelaide. I just felt so heartbroken for her. I have seen my own friends get caught up in relationships with men just like Rory, so I cannot fault her for any of the decisions she made. Like I saw some reviews that were kind of like questioning some of her choices. And of course, you want to shake her and be like, no, like, don't do this at some points. But we've all been there, you know. Um, She was just forced to learn so many lessons about life and love in such a short period of time. And I am happy with how everything turned out in the end. And I just loved the role that her best friends played in this story. It was so integral. And I'm just so happy that she had them to turn to. Um, If you're a fan, I will say of books like Sam by Allegra Goodman, Notes on Your Sudden Disappearance by Alison Espa, and The People We Keep by Alison Larkin. All of them are huge five stars for me. This will most likely work for you too. The writing styles between all of them were so similar and I can't put my finger on what it is, but I think it's the authenticity and the way in which they write about small details and the character development and just having everything feel so real and raw. Um, She just, Genevieve Wheeler, this is another five star for me if you haven't gathered that. She wrote in such intricate detail with such complex emotions that I was just blown away. And this is one of those books that I wish I had marked up with like tabs and notes on the pages, because there were um, some specific quotes that were so heartbreaking um, that I wish I could go back and read again. And then I wrote at the end of my Goodreads review, bravo to Adelaide, the girl who felt everything, because that's in um, the book as well. If you like emotional, complex stories, like some of the ones I mentioned, I think you'll really love this book. And I'm so happy that I was able to read my first book off my June hopefuls list literally on the first day of June. So it got June off to a fantastic start. Five massive, massive stars. So let's talk about what's on the rest of my June TBR. The next book I'm going to read is Float Plan by Trish Dollar. This is another really, really short book. And it's been on my TBR forever, like three of these books have. So I'm going to read Float Plan by Trish Dollar, Big Summer by Jennifer Weiner, and The Summer Job by Lizzie Dent, and actually The Lion's Den by Catherine St. John. All four of these books have been on my summer TBR lists for, this is my third summer now, or is it even... No, yeah, my third summer now that they'll be on my TBR. And I've just had enough of it. I've just had enough. I'm going in. I, I It's just been way, way, way too long. And there are so many new summer books that I want to pick up, um, which I'll also talk about. But these are the ones that I'm going to focus on and have to read, I'm telling myself, before I hopefully buy those ones, but at the very least before I read them. So Float Plan, 
Big Summer. I'm really excited to read Big Summer because Jennifer Weiner has a lot of summer reads and they're kind of hit or a miss. They're like somewhere between a 3.5 to 4, like all of them on Goodreads. But that's pretty decent, I feel like. Um, she has so many of them. So I want to read all of them because it's me. But I'll start with Big Summer. Um, and so those are the four. Uh, the Lion's Den, I think a lot of you knew that I took on my vacation to Punta Cana. That was the one book I did start but didn't finish. I or didn't even really get anywhere through. I might have gotten to page 100, which seems crazy because I don't remember hardly anything. I'm definitely going to have to go back and maybe even restart it when I do start that one this month, but we'll see. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Other books that I will be reading, The Book Proposal by K.J. Meesh. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, and I do need to learn that soon for a reason I'll talk about. It's M-I-C-C-I-C-H-E. Mishish? Makish? I'm so sorry. Anyway. I'm going to read that one for a lot of reasons. Sounds like an amazing, fun, contemporary romance. But if you're in the Portland area, the news will have already come out. Um, I'm hosting an author event or helping to moderate an author event um, on June 22nd at a Prey, which is a seltzer sort of brewery sort of place in Portland. Um, And I can give you some of the details. It's a romance panel. It's Thursday, June 22nd. And it's called Meet Cute at a Prey. It's at 6.30 p.m. And it's featuring five different authors, um, M.A. Wardell, Jenny Howe, Lauren H. May, who I got to meet at a Prey a few months ago, and she's amazing, K.J. Mashish, and Kristen Miller. 
and I'm hosting it with Back Cove Books. Um, and basically, they're going to bring some copies of their new books, their new releases. We're going to have some drinks that are featured and like kind of focused on romance novels. And I'm going to moderate a little bit of a Q&A with them as well. And I'll be posting a little bit more about that on my Instagram as it gets closer. I would really love to have you guys ask some questions, some seed questions that I could be prepared for and kind of prepare them for. Um, so I'm super excited about it. it feels so cool to be hosting a book event in my hometown of Portland. Um, so just a little bit about that. I can talk more about that as we get closer, but I'm super excited. So if you are in the Portland, Maine area, we will be at a prey on Thursday, June 22nd at 630 with a bunch of cool local authors discussing all things romance novels, which is amazing. So two more that are on my list for this month are Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club by J. Ryan Stradell, which I believe I've talked about quite a bit on here, and also The Collected Regrets of Clover by Mickey Brammer. So those are the ones that I physically have in my at my disposal right now. I think I'm going to actually start with Float Plan. I'll probably pick that up today because um, I want to get one of those backlist TBR books off of my TBR. And this one's only like 250 pages. And if I read Adelaide, which was 280 in one sitting, and it was a really emotional, intense read, I think I could probably get down Float Plan by Trish Dollar um, even quicker. So super excited. Then we're going to talk about June releases. I know I'm going all over the place today. I just feel like I have so much to talk about. I was so excited to record this episode because I'm like, ah, there's just so much to say. So starting with June releases that I need to pick up immediately. Um, one that was May was The Celebrants by Stephen Rowley. I am a huge, huge fan of The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley, as many of you know. Um, his new book, The Celebrants, is just came out in May, and it was also read with Jenna's book club pick for June. So I've always talked about this, but I feel like her book club picks are the best. Like she does the best job of picking them. So I'm really excited to read The Celebrants. If you've ever seen the movie The Big Chill, I guess it has those sorts of vibes. It's about college friends who haven't seen each other in like two decades. They come back together for a weekend, and none of them are really like where they thought they would be sort of and they have to come together and deal with that together. So super excited to read that one and pick that one up. The other two that I really want to read this month are of course, The Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand. Absolutely on my TBR and one I know I'll get through because I have it and we have it for the book club podcast. And of course, one of my all time favorite authors, Riley Sager. I've read all of the books that he's put out. Um, the only one left. His new book comes out on June 20th. So I'm really excited about that one. I've heard from many bookstagrammers that it's like their favorite or in their top three of Riley Sager. So I think we're in for a huge treat there. Let me go over. I only have a few more. I have actually quite a few more <laughs> that I want to read. Um, I don't want to get into too much details of their synopsis because I don't know if I'm going to like them or not, but you can look them up if they sound appealing to you. Same Time Next Summer by Kate Spencer comes out on June 6th. That one was actually recommended by Carly Fortune on Good Morning America recently. Um, really? Was it? Is that the one? Let me make sure. Why did I say her name was Kate Spencer? That's not who write, wrote Same Time Next Summer. Am I going crazy? Hold on. Wait, guys, I am like literally more confused than ever. Like, I don't know what's going on. So I have like a list of the books I want to buy and like new releases for the summer. And I wrote down Same Time Next Summer by Kate Spencer. And it looks like that's a book that comes out on June 6th. But the book that I was thinking of was Same Time Next Summer by Abigail Monahan. I think that's how you say it. Same Time Next Summer. Oh, sorry. It's Annabelle Monaghan. And that also comes out on June 6th, 2023. 
Can anyone put this together for me? I feel like I'm actually going crazy. I'm going to look Kate Spencer up because it also says that Kate Spencer is an author. What's going on? I took a pause and I still have literally no idea why I put down Kate Spencer. It's Annabelle Monaghan, same time next summer. That was um, a book that looked amazing. She also wrote, I believe, Nora Goes Off Script, which I still want to read. Um, but Carly Fortune actually recommended Same Time Next Summer on GMA um, this week. So I was super excited to see that. Then there was Talking at Night by Claire Daverly, which comes out on June 7th. That was one I put as one of our potential choices for a June book club pick, but it didn't get too much hype because I think it was it's a little bit indie. It's not like too, too well known, which I understand. If you're an Allie Hazelwood fan, her new book Love Theoretically comes out on June 13th. The Whispers by Ashley Audrain comes out on June 20th. I am so excited for this one. Um, I loved The Push by Ashley Audrain. Thought it was such a unique and cool thriller. Spoiler, I actually did get this in my Book of the Month box this month, month, which I'll talk about very soon. Then there's The Seven Year Slip by Ashley Poston, which is coming out on June 27th. And The Rachel Incident by Carolyn O'Donoghue, which comes out also on June 27th. So those are the books that I have my eye on. And as always, whenever I go into Bull Moose, they have a huge table of new releases that are constantly, constantly tempting me. So I actually took some photos of some. Um, and I want to know if any of you have heard of these because I'm interested in getting them, but I haven't heard anyone talk about them. Um, that is, let me pull them up really fast. Two Nights in Lisbon by Chris Pavone. I'm pretty sure that that just got a paperback release because um, Bull Moose puts them on the table even if they're hardcover releases that have come out previously, but if they're new releases in paperback, if that makes sense. Um, oh, Bad Summer People by Emma Rosenblum. That's another one I want to pick up. The cover alone is just so gorgeous. The Guest by Emma Klein. Chain Gang All-Stars is a May release, but I'm dying to read it. It sounds so unique and cool. Mrs. Nash's Ashes. And I know that sounds so like odd, but it's a really cute romance and it has really good reviews. Um, Summer Reading by Jen McKinley looks so cute, set on Martha's Vineyard or Cape Cod. Kind of want to pick that one up. Good Girl Complex by L. Kennedy, I know is an older romance. If any of you have read that, let me know. I'm also curious about The Daydreams by, I think it's Laura Hankin. Love Lists and Fancy Ships by Sarah Grunder Ruiz. I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay. These are all photos I have. And I'm really, really dying to read Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang. The plot of this one sounds so unique and so amazing. I'm talking way too much about so many different titles, so I'll spare you from it for right now because I probably will end up picking that one up in the next two weeks and telling you guys about it. But those are all the ones that are on my radar. I have a lot of books floating around in my head right now, but I do want to get through some backlist books. So I'm going to start with Float Plan by Trish Dollar next up on my June TBR. Now let's quickly talk about book of the month and the celebrity book club picks for June. This first episode in June is always a huge one. So first, starting with um, Read with Jenna. Of course, we already talked about that. It's The Celebrants by Stephen Rowley. Let's see if Reese has put hers out and if GMA has put theirs out. Okay, so it looks like June's book club pick for Reese's book club is coming out on June 6th. So we can talk about that in the next episode. And the June pick for the GMA book club is Ink Blood Sister Scribe by Emma Torres. And that was also in the book of the month this month. So let's pull up book of the month and we can talk about all of these. So big news for book of the month this month is that 
everyone is now available, like I already said, to add four add-ons to their cart. So you can ship five books in total instead of just the typical three like it's always been. Really cool. Such a great addition. Um, I'm really excited about it. The three books that I shipped, I only picked three because I have so many that I want to read anyway, was The Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand, The Whispers by Ashley Audrain. Both of those were add-ons. And then the main book that I picked was called Banyan or Banyan Moon by Tao Tai. Um, And I'll talk about it really quick. I've seen Banyan Moon all throughout um, new releases that are coming out for this summer. It's on a lot of big lists. So I'm really excited about it. It's a debut novel. It's a literary fiction pick. And I hope I'm pronouncing both the title and his name right. But it's Banyan Moon by Tao Tai. Let me read you a little bit of the synopsis. When Anne Tran gets the call that her fiercely beloved grandmother Min has passed away, her life is already at a crossroads. In the years since she's last seen Min, Anne has built a seemingly perfect life, a beautiful lake house, a charming professor boyfriend, and invites to elegant parties that bubble over with champagne and good taste, but it all crumbles with one positive pregnancy test. With both her relationship and carefully planned future now in question, Anne returns home to Florida to face her estranged mother, Huang. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Back in Florida, Huang is simultaneously mourning her mother and resenting her for having the relationship with Anne that she never did. Then, Anne and Huang learn that Min has left them both the Banyan House, the crumbling old manor that was Anne's childhood home, in all its strange gothic glory. Under the same roof for the first time in years, mother and daughter must face the simmering questions of their past and their uncertain futures while trying to rebuild their relationship without the one person who's always held them together. It sounds so good. I love generational trauma stuff like this. I love mother-daughter relationships. Um, And it was the most appealing to me out of the five main choices. One that I kind of am wishing that I picked that a lot of people chose was The Wishing Game by Meg Schaffer. This is a contemporary fiction pick and it is another debut. This one says, make a wish. Lucy Hart knows better than anyone what it's like to grow up without parents who loved her. In a childhood home marked by neglect and loneliness, Lucy found her solace in books, namely the Clock Island series by Jack Masterson. Now a 26-year-old teacher's age, she is able to share her love of reading with bright young students, especially seven-year-old Christopher Lamb, who was left orphaned after the tragic death of his parents. Lucy would give anything to adopt Christopher... Matilda. (laughs) But even the idea of becoming a family seems like an impossible dream without proper funds and stability. But be careful what you wish for. Just when Lucy is about to give up, Jack Masterson announces he's finally written a new book. Even better, he's holding a contest at his home on the real clock island, and Lucy is one of the four lucky contestants chosen to compete to win the one and only copy. Guys, I really wish I picked that one up. I'm kind of jealous. I don't know why I didn't. It was like on my radar to pick up, but really kind of regretting my choice. I think I'm actually going to add it to my box for next month. Yep, it's already added. I added it. I do really want it. Other picks were Ink Blood Sister Scribe by Emma Tors. She started it by C.N. Gilbert, which is a thriller pick. Ink Blood Sister Scribe is a fantasy, by the way. And Lady Tan's Circle of Women by Lisa C., which is a historical fiction pick. Lots of great choices. Um, Really, really cool choices for this month. A couple additional add-ons I want to talk about. The Spectacular by Fiona Davis, which is a historical fiction that sounds amazing. And another one I almost picked was My Murder by Katie Williams, which is a literary fiction. And it's about a woman who got murdered, but the government brought her back to life. And now she kind of has to help solve her murder, which is such a unique take on like a thriller, but it's a literary fiction. 
also kind of regretting not picking that one up. I'm going to add it to my box as well, just so I want to I want to remember that I want to get those for next month, just in case the choices aren't amazing. Um, but they always are. Book of the Month always gets me. Um, and I think after 37 minutes talking that that's all I want to talk about before we get into part of your world. So hope you all enjoyed this part of the episode, but let's get right in. As a reminder, you are supposed to read up to chapter 22 in Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez for today's episode. If you have not, just know that you're going to get something spoiled. Um, Just beware. But if you don't care, that's totally fine too. But we're going to get right into it and give myself another pat on the back because I remembered to screenshot all of your responses to my open-ended questions this week that I put out yesterday. So thank you to everyone who responded to those. We are going to get to those and I'm going to do it in a little bit of a different way. I switched things up a bit. So I wrote down notes, not chapter by chapter, but basically in chunks because as I was reading, some of the chapters were short, some were long, and it just felt monotonous to record after or to record my notes after every single chapter. So I did it in chunks and I also was writing questions down as I went. So we'll talk about the questions um, that I asked you guys in tandem with um, my own notes. So let me know if you like that format a little bit better, but let's get into it. All right. So we're going to start with the chunk of chapters one through five. I said we get a lot of setup information here and are really thrown right into the action and I loved it. There was no time to waste. There was a lot of setup, but like while the action was happening, which I love. Um, I said so much action that I forgot to write notes after the first two chapters, but I figured they were short so I could just lump them together, which is a theme here. And that's what I did for the whole book. But Our female main character is named Alexis, and our male main character is named Daniel. Alexis seems to have a great job, though it hasn't been revealed yet what it is, and she lives in Minneapolis. She just got out of a seven-year relationship with a man named Neil and has vowed off men. She has a best friend named Bree, who is the main character of the next book in this universe, yours truly. So I wasn't going to spoil that, but I guess I just did. So sorry about that. (laughs) Alexis seems to enjoy the finer things in life, dresses nicely, and drives a Mercedes. On the way back from her great aunt's funeral, she swerved to miss a raccoon and her car ended up in a ditch. Enter Daniel, who drove by and witnessed it and offered to tow her out. We have a bit of opposites attracting here with Daniel definitely giving off country lumberjack vibes. They both end up at the local VFW later and Daniel's friends are all making bets with who will go home with Alexis, but Daniel isn't having it. As he goes to close his tab, Alexis and Daniel strike up a conversation and Alexis decides that she will leave with him and they would split the money that the boys had bet. We learn that Daniel is the actual mayor of the town and just does a little bit of everything for the town and for everyone and just seems in general like a sweetheart of a guy. He's even babysitting his friend Doug's week old goat. He offers to make her some food since everything in the town is closed. And chapter five ends from Daniel's point of view saying he wakes up at 6am naked and happy after having the best date of his life, but Alexis is gone. So we have opposites attracting multiple POVs and a bit of an older romance with Alexis being 37. This was the first question that I asked you guys. I asked, what is your favorite romance trope? And I'm going to read your responses before I tell you guys what my favorite romance trope is. This was the one that got the most responses. So I know we have a lot of romance lovers out here. Um, So I'm just going to read them rapid fire. Insta love and age gap. Friends to lovers. Friends to lovers and second chance. Second chance and friends to lovers. 
enemies to lovers, enemies to lovers and second chance romance. We got another second chance, um, another enemies to lovers, another enemies to lovers and second chance romance, um, two, three fake datings, um, a friends to lovers and a second chance. So I would say the vast majority of you would either say enemies to lovers or friends to lovers. I would have to go with friends to lovers. I am a fan. And I feel like it's either you love it or you hate it. Um, And I totally get that. But I love it. I think it's so fun to have built that bond with someone or in a book even and then see it grow and just having that foundation of a best friend before you grow into something more I think is so, so cool, Um, especially when like the guy has actually been in love with the girl for years and she finally realizes it and it's I just love it and might be a little bit of the story, the romance that I'm actually writing myself. Spoiler alert. So I'm a Friends to Lovers fan and it seems like a lot of you guys agree. And then I asked, are you a fan of Insta love slash love at first sight? And spoiler alert, I am not. I am not a fan of love at first sight. Um, 76% of you agreed with me and said no. And 24% of you said yes. I do believe in love at first sight and I feel like it can happen, but I feel like it's more like infatuation and I mostly don't like it in books. I find it really hard to get behind when it's like insta love like that. I don't feel like this was insta love um, because it was like a one night stand situation. They didn't immediately fall in love. They just had a great date and had sex. You know what I mean? But in a lot of books like Meet Me at the Lake, like Always in December, there's like this insta love aspect and then they never get over each other. And I just, I don't, I don't love that personally. And then I asked off the bat who should be playing Daniel and Alexis in a dream cast. Nobody responded because they're, you guys are seemingly equally as frustrated with who to pick as I am. Um, there's a guy on TikTok who would be the perfect Daniel. And it's any of you know who I'm talking about. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but it's the guy who's like a lumberjack and he cuts down the trees with an axe and he like takes his shirt off and stuff. That's Daniel. That was Daniel in my head the whole time I was reading. But I couldn't picture Alexis. Um, But then I looked it up online a little bit and people were saying Brittany Snow with the red hair. And I think that would actually be a really great um, Alexis. So anyway, those are the questions I asked right there. Now we're going to get into chapters six and seven. Both of these chapters are from Alexis's point of view. She walks into her house after her date with Daniel and her brother Derek is there waiting for her. We learn he's been in Cambodia doing surgery on burn victims and people with cleft lips, and he hasn't been around to see Alexis through her breakup with Neil. We learn that Alexis left Daniel that night because when she got up to go to the bathroom, she saw his license and realized he was 28. So we have about a 10 year age gap here. I love an age gap romance idea. I've never read a book with that trope. So I said this should be fun. Derek makes her sign an NDA and tells her he married a pop singer and that he's moving to Cambodia to be with her. That's when we learn that Derek and Alexis, who are twins, are an almost all royal family-esque line of doctors who work at their hospital, which I cannot pronounce. I think it's Royam Memorial or something. I can't even think of it right now. But if you know how to pronounce Royam, let me know. Um, Basically, it's been a tradition for 100 years, and they were born essentially to be bred to keep that tradition alive. There was even a um, Taylor Swift Last Great American Dynasty joke that I appreciated as a Swifty. 
Well, now with Derek moving, it just leaves Alexis to be at the hospital alone, which is something she really doesn't want to do because Neil works there. We learn that Neil slept with an anesthesiologist and that caused the breakup and then her parents want them back together, but that's not happening. Alexis tells off Neil at the hospital when he says that he wants the house and she refuses to budge, obviously. Then Bree tells her she has to call or at least find Daniel and see him again. Apparently their sex had been incredible and Alexis cannot stop thinking about it. And the fact that he made her feel sexy and desirable is amazing after what an asshole Neil is. Next up were chapters eight through 10. And I said, okay, the chemistry is literally off the charts. And I'm already falling for Daniel. Like Abby Jimenez writes on page 82, Daniel somehow managed to be charming and completely down to earth while also exuding pure sex. It was the most baffling combination. I'm embarrassed, you guys, to say this is my first Abby Jimenez book, but I'm already completely sold. The dialogue isn't cheesy at all, and I'm loving how we're thrown into the action right away. No buildup for hundreds of pages. We're getting chemistry and sex from the beginning while also learning about the characters and falling in love with them. And I know it's too early, and I know Alexis just got out of a long-term relationship, but how is she able to resist Daniel even at all? I would be ready to move in, honestly. Um, In these chapters, Alexis calls Daniel at the VFW and says she has to return his hoodie. She decides to drive to see him. Daniel preps and it is adorable. I loved when he kissed her right when she got there. It seemed so in reality with what would happen in real life and just so sexy. Also, the date he planned, Doug making the world's best charcuterie board and Brian opening up the movie theater. Love the side characters there. And being in the back of a cozy truck with Christmas lights and a cheese board is my literal dream date. This was just so adorable and sweet and also loved at the end of that chapter how we got her to go back to his room. Um, So sexy. So then I asked, what is your dream date? And we did have a few responses. Someone said either a Disney trip or a day down at the Cape. And then someone else said dinner and drinks with a view, great food and a sunset walk on the beach. And I have to agree. I love somewhere sweet with a sunset eating outside, a glass of Sauvignon Blanc in my hand, maybe some sort of a seafood dinner or pasta, Um, just having that little buzz on feeling the sun. Maybe you spent the day at the beach, then going to walk on the beach, maybe like going on a roller coaster. I don't know. I'm mixing the two of your dream dates together. Um, But also, I love a date. I love the date that Daniel plans just being in the back of a truck with a charcuterie board watching a movie sounds amazing. Also, then I asked, why do you think Alexis is so hesitant to reveal her career to Daniel? And we had a few responses. Someone said that's all she's seen as in her world and wants to be different and more to him. Completely agree. I feel like as soon she would feel like as soon as he learned that she's a doctor, that he would immediately treat her differently, differently, though we know from Daniel's POV, that's definitely not the case. But I can understand that she would think that way. Then someone else responded, she wanted to just she wanted to just be someone other than who her parents wanted, or she didn't want her career to make her seem unattainable. Um, so that Daniel seems Daniel seems so normal to her. Totally get that. And then I asked, do you think the age gap is a big deal between them? Um, and 97% of you said no, and 3% said yes. I agree. I feel like their maturity levels are right on par with each other. Mostly meaning that Daniel is very mature for a 28-year-old guy, me being 28 myself. I see that. Um, I don't think it's a big deal at all. And I actually think it makes her even sexier to him. Going into chapters 11 and 12, 
I said when they wake up in the morning, Daniel gets a call that Popeye didn't make it to the diner and Doreen needs needs him to go check on him. I love the little small town vibes that we're getting here. Alexis comes along and after we learn Popeye fell getting out of bed, Alexis does reveal that she's a doctor and Daniel is stunned and so impressed and yet again feels like she's out of his league. Unfortunately, and it made me mad, Alexis doesn't stay for breakfast. Later, she says her reasoning was that she didn't want everyone in the town to realize she'd spent the night. And I guess that is understandable, but I still want them to be together because their chemistry is just getting better and better. In Alexis's point of view, she's on a run with her friend Jessica in the trails by her house. Jessica is in a completely loveless marriage, and Alexis decides to reveal that she's been seeing Daniel. Then she tells her of the abuse Neil inflicted on her, and I was really impressed with the writing of this. Um, Abby Jimenez and, you know, in part there, Alexis described a type of abuse that isn't typical, you might say, and many people might go through it and not even realize what's going on. Neil was telling Alexis she smelled bad despite her being completely clean to the point where her self-esteem was so diminished she was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I can't even imagine going through something like that that is like so sick and twisted. She was actually happy when she when he had an affair and she could finally leave him for something. I just feel so bad for Alexis here, and this is clearly something that nobody deserves. I hate Neil more and more with every chapter, but this ending is insane. When Jessica and Alexis get back to their neighborhood, Neil has cops in front of their house, or her house, as I should say. He says he has every right to be there because his name is on the lease and Alexis hasn't filed a restraining order. He starts moving his boxes into the basement, guest room, and I am you fuming. What an absolute asshole. I can't even imagine. Daniel texts Alexis in the midst of it all, midst of it all, but of course he's way too distraught to respond. Chapters 13 and 14, Daniel gets a call from his biological mother, Amber, though she was never really a mother to him. She had him when she was 15 and his grandparents really raised him from there. She only called them when she needed money. When his grandparents died, they left the grant house to her and Daniel's always been worried that she would sell it. Well, that's what she's calling about. And after some convincing, she was going to give him five months to get everything together so he had a fighting chance to buy it himself. He needed 50 grand for the down payment, so he opened up the B&B early in hopes of getting some renters. And did he ever? After a week of not talking, Alexis and Daniel had a five-hour phone conversation, and they're better than ever. Alexis leaves with Gabby and Jessica for the girls' weekend, only to learn Gabby changed the plans and they're going to the grand house. Ah! Alexis quickly texts Daniel to say to pretend not to know her. She doesn't want all of this getting back to Neil, but why? I understand he's younger and not as accomplished as Neil, but do you think she's embarrassed of Daniel or just not ready to go in public? And that's a question that I asked you guys and a lot of you answered. Um, Someone said, I don't think she's ashamed, but she's worried about her professional image. I totally get that too. Like her friends are so kind of uppity and annoying that being with someone like Daniel would like make them see her in a different light. And I don't think she cares about that, but she's afraid of them judging Daniel prematurely. I think someone said she isn't ready since she's coming down from a big deal relationship. Totally get that too. I can't imagine being in a seven year relationship going somewhere with my two greatest friends really, or two of my good friends and having them have known my ex and then being like, Oh yeah, surprise. I'm dating this guy. Like how random. Someone said, I think she's worried about her overbearing family and colleagues, especially her super judgy dad. Completely agree. We haven't really talked about her dad, but what an asshole, like worse than Neil somehow. Um, Someone said, I think she's used to pressure and expectations from others, which makes it harder from her. Totally agree. Um, She doesn't really let herself feel her emotions or go for what she really wants herself. I think that's a really huge part of her 
emotional and character arc that happens in this book. But I think that's definitely part of it. And someone else said not ready for people to know, which again, completely agree with. Chapters 15 through 18, I said, okay, I've got to write a little bit here, but I was trying to wait to write notes about the whole weekend, but don't want to forget anything. First of all, Gabby and Jessica are complete bitches. Hate them. (laughs) It's absolutely time to ditch them, Alexis, now that Neil is gone and stick with Brie. After Daniel was upset for a bit about Alexis lying about him to her friends, he understood that her having gone through a bad breakup meant that her friends would totally tell their husbands about it and it could get back to Neil, so all of it makes sense. Gabby and Jessica do say he's hot though, but say she could never bring a guy like that home because not only would their husbands hate him, her dad would just about die. So annoying. She fakes a headache to stay with him and we get a good spicy scene out of it, which I loved and I want more of. I was literally giddy reading about them cooking dinner together. I love this book so much and I love their chemistry. Alexis slept in Daniel's bed and in the morning he makes them an amazing breakfast, which is ruined when Hunter, his dog, brings in a squirrel. They all laugh about it, but then the bitches threaten to give the place a one-star review. Really? Gotta get back to reading now about the rest of the weekend, but let's just say I need more spicy scenes. I need Daniel to sell all his amazing art. I need him to buy the B&B or to have Alexis buy it and open up her own practice in the town, perhaps. I need Neil to get a life and just go away. And same goes for these fake friends. And I need more Daniel. Lots more. So I'm in, clearly, if you guys couldn't tell. Chapters 19 through 22, I said, how am I already halfway through this book? I need more. They finish out their weekend at the Grand House and it's pretty quiet. We learn Alexis and Daniel had sex seven more times or seven times in total that weekend. And she's liking him more and more. And the feeling is clearly mutual. When the girls get out to the car, Alexis realizes Gabby wrote a one-star review and had their stay comped because of their bad experience. And I am livid. These women are insufferable and rich and snotty and terrible. Thankfully, Alexis convinced them each to buy a piece of Daniel's art, which is more than the stay would have cost them, but I'm still livid. She needs to ditch them fast. Then we just get a few conversations between Alexis and Daniel and one where Alexis's main breaker in her house was switched off, which is clearly Neil. But why? Just so we can have more control over her? He literally sucks. And when will Alexis go down and see Daniel again? And why does she have to be this royal Montgomery? Why can't she just move to Waken? Or how do you guys pronounce it? I was saying Waken as I was reading, but I think it's Wakan. But that sounds weird to say. So I've been saying Waken. Let me know what you guys think. At the end, after a sweet moment of Alexis calling Daniel about the opera singer in the hospital, Amber calls Daniel asking where the money is. And he has to tell her he had to comp the stay of the girls. And she's mad and clearly high. And Daniel worries even more about the time she's going to allow him to have with the house. And he thinks no way it'll be six months. At the end of this chunk, he says, in a season, one way or another, my life would never be the same. You guys, how is this my first Abby Jimenez book? I am so sorry, but after these show notes, I'm going to have to keep reading. I can't help it. I am addicted. It's truly like she put butterflies and glitter into these pages and I am truly over here giggling and blushing and just giddy about how this book is making me feel. I totally get all of the hype now and I am just so happy we picked this for our first June book club pick. Daniel is a dreamboat, if I hadn't made that clear already. Hardworking, caring, sweet, kind, sexy, a good cook, a good chef, good in bed, good at art, 
detail-oriented, I love men written by women. Alexis is growing on me too. I'm not as in love with her as I am Daniel, obviously, but personally, I just couldn't believe she didn't know how to sweep (laughs) and clean and stuff. And I am so with Brie when she said that everyone should have to work at a fast food place at some point in their lives. I am a proud Dunkin' Donuts High School employee right here, but Obviously, she's nothing like her asshole friends, and she's realizing she doesn't want to be associated with people like that and wants to learn to do things she's never had to do before. And I feel so bad for her with the whole Neil situation, and I just have a feeling that's going to get even more reckless than it already is, especially if Daniel ever gets near him. Neil does not stand a chance. I also love this town of Waken and the little magic that it's bringing. Like, can I move there? I am all for this book and I need to know what happens next. I just literally loved it, you guys. Um, And quickly, the other questions I asked were, where are you guys in the book? 26% of you said you haven't started it yet, but you're going to. 4% said you've started it, but not quite halfway. And 70% of you said you're reading ahead or you're finished, which I I cannot blame you for. I totally understand. Like I could just go into detail and talk more and more and more about how this book ends, but I'm saving that for next week. Um, I quickly asked if you guys had any other general thoughts and People were saying I could not put it down. I loved it. I got so many messages that said I started this book, but literally meant to only read halfway for this episode, but had to continue reading, which I completely understand. I did the same. So, so glad we're all on the same page and so glad that this one is a hit because I know so many of us really didn't like Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune last month. So I am so happy this is a winner. And that is all for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I truly had such a blast recording today's episode. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's because I had the week off last week and just had so much to talk about, but I loved recording this. So I hope that came through and that you guys felt my joy talking about Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez and about all the books I'm excited to read for June. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening as always. And be sure to follow me on my Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook to stay up to date with what I'm reading in real time and be able to answer the questions and the polls that I put out each week for our book club picks. Next week, I'll probably be reading or posting a lot of questions mostly about the reading questions that are at the end of part of your world. So that'll be kind of fun. Um, And I'm really excited about it. So thank you all for listening and be sure to finish the book part of your world if you haven't already for the June 12th episode. I hope you all have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you all in the next episode. Bye guys. Hello friends, this is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read Podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.